You're listening to the Circle and Rectangle Show, Australia's newest A-League and W-League-based footballing podcast. Hosted by two blokes with exceptional footballing knowledge, mediocre footballing ability, and zero podcasting experience. Alright, look at this. Three weeks in a row, we're back. And early recording this week. Yeah, early recording this week, but it will probably be dropped around the Friday, yep. Saturday time as usual because we've both got very busy schedules this week. Jamie Brown, how was your weekend up in Armadale? Uh, cold-ish, but not as cold as it probably should be in winter. Usually we get minus two, minus three. It's been hovering around four degrees Celsius for those Americans that might be listening. Um, so cold, but not too bad. Good enough to walk around in with a jumper. So yeah, boring otherwise, to be honest. <laughs> That's what do you expect, mate? What do you expect? It is Armadale. Yes, very much so. Very <laughs> much indeed. But Jamie's weekend up in Armadale was spent watching some big fixtures this oh, week. Oh, yeah, it was. Mine was spent watching minor fixtures while watching big fixtures <laughs> at the same time. As both myself and my brother travelled out to the wonder, wonderful Wanderers Football Great Park. Great facility. In, uh, yeah, and in Rudy Hill to watch the uh, Wanderers NPL side get up a 2-1 victory over Hills United. But that's not the fixtures we want to hear about. We want to hear about the A-League semi-final results. The results are in. Jamie's bopping away there. But yes, two semi-final fixtures this weekend. Saturday night saw the first semi-final fixture in our first team into the grand final with Sydney FC taking on the Adelaide United. And then on Sunday, we get our host... City as MacArthur FC took on Melbourne City at the Nestrada Jubilee. So both games played there this weekend, Jamie. Yeah, and the pitch held up for both games, so that was always positive. Not as big a crowd as you would have liked to have seen for that second game as we saw for the first one. But, um, mate, it's a good pitch. It's a good stadium. I'm so glad Sydney played there as opposed to that hole that is the SCG. Terrible football venue, but, um, yeah, credit to the groundsmen at Cogra, because they, they held it down, and let's I mean, there's two football teams, a rugby league team, sorry, playing on there this season as well, so it's getting a lot of use, and it looked pretty good, other than those hideous 40 and 30 metre line markings, but um, Sydney FC, man, well, they've done it again. <laughs> yeah, the three-peat is still yep. on, that was a very good-looking Sydney FC side to get off to an early 2-0 lead with a penalty scored by Adam LaFondra to open the account, and then very quickly soon after, Bobo uh, scores Sydney FC's second to take a 2-0 lead into half-time. But that second half could have gone either way. Adelaide United were flying, get themselves a first goal, and just could not get the second. Yeah, credit to Sydney's defence, you know. I mean, they're missing McGowan and Ryan Grant, but um, Ben Wall and deputising in retro played out of position. Well, not out of position, but somewhere he hasn't played recently, and... Adelaide threw everything at them. There was a lot of times watching that game, I thought the goal was coming, and I'm sitting there thinking that we're going to extra time. But Sydney FC, man, they've done it three years in a row now. They keep doing it. Um, they've got a hell of a good attack, probably the best attack in the league at the moment, you know, with the likes of LaFondra, Bobo. They obviously got that third penalty, which LaFondra missed. We both agree, not a penalty. Absolute misuse of VAR technology. Um, but, you know... They still hold on to get a 2-1 win over Adelaide, who, when when you get announced international players, uh, that was my team. They were my pick to win the league. When you looked at the players that Sydney, Melbourne, and City were losing, I thought, okay, this is Adelaide's to lose now. But Jesus Christ, man, Sydney FC, they just keep doing it. They do. Uh, yeah, and you do mention the VAR. The VAR was used, I think, three times in... Or, 
Three times it was conferred to in the um in the game. The first one was the original penalty yep. for Adam Lafondra, which was given not a penalty, um, but VAR overturned that decision. Uh, at first glance, I thought terrible, terrible decision. But after watching it a few times, I agree. Probably definitely yeah. was a Didn't penalty. Touch the ball, unfortunately for him. No, yeah. I, for first replay, I thought he did, but other viewings, obviously he did not. Um, the second time VAR was intervened was the one Jamie is talking about, which was a second penalty to. Sydney FC, where they've used the VAR to overturn an offside decision for a penalty. Yeah, not a goal-scoring opportunity. Well, not a goal. Yeah, not, not a goal, like, sorry. Not a goal, and they still yeah. go back to check an offside. That's not what it's used for. It's used to check a goal to make sure everyone in the lead-up was off, onside or overturn a penalty if oh, if it's a 50-50 call, like you will go to VAR to check it. But it was to overturn an offside so they could give the penalty. It was a clear penalty, but there was an offside in the build-up, so then it is not a penalty. You can't then go back to checks to make sure it was offside. It's just the offside cancels it out then. It's like, I feel bad for Adelaide, although it didn't really amount to anything. Great save from the goalkeeper. Picked Adam LaFondre, like, read him like a book. Went the same way as the first one, but, you know, read him like a book. Credit to him for saving it, but you can't do that. It's a misuse. To, it's It should only be to check a goal to make sure it was fair. Uh, red card decisions to make sure they're accurate. Or, you know, to confirm or disprove a penalty. Like, just, it's... It, to, to overturn a clear and obvious error is what yeah. the VAR is used for. And it was offside. I still think he was offside. <laughs> yeah, I, st- I don't care about your bullshit lines. Like, I, he, like, you wouldn't believe it. From the view that everyone was... We were all shown from where they were talking about the offside, he looks offside. And then when they come back and show us that the lines have been drawn, it's taken like a frame back. Yeah. Where he's onside, yeah, it's almost like they photoshopped it and moved him because yeah, it's, he didn't. It to the naked eye, which is the way I always go. It's the way it should be. He's offside. Your lines are bullshit to me. Like it, it, it was offside, and I, I always say when a when a bullshit penalty gets given and the goalkeeper saves it or they miss it, it's karma, and karma, the karma gods were there again. So unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't save Adelaide. It didn't help Adelaide. They still couldn't get that much needed goal, but. They, no, they didn't. But then VAR came in for a third time when Adelaide scored their goal. Yep. <laughs> after a free kick from Tommy Urich, rebounds off the wall, and then a thunderous strike into the back of net, where they go to VAR to check if Stefan Mork is offside. Uh, and he was in an offside position, but absolutely did not impede the goal, the goalkeeper. He still had a no, great goalkeeper. Dive at it, and I think he touched it. I'm pretty sure he got a touch. He to did it, get so. a hand to it. He did get a hand to it, so it didn't impede him. It almost took Stefan Mork's head off. Yeah, yeah. Mork ducked to get out. You of the can't. Way. That's you, his. You can't blame the bloke for being no. in an offside position when he almost dies. And I, I felt bad for um, Hayward Bell because he's had a, his his first two starts for Sydney FC have been phenomenal, and he was unlucky not to get a clean sheet in this final. But he's been really good. He's been really impressive. Um, talking with a few other Sydney fans, it's one of those things where is he going to be the number one next year and you know, Redman moves to the bench or they move him on because you got a young player like Tommy Hayward Bell in there and he's stepping up and he's going to do it. He has to, he's going to have to be on his game against Melbourne City, that's for sure, next week. 100% he is. But yeah, that came down to a 2-1 result yeah. to Sydney FC to secure their spot in another grand final, going for three grand final wins in a row. But we move on Just to the Sunday fixture. One thing, they oh. did this without Milos Nikovic as well. They did. Injured. Milos Nikovic was... Not in the starting, or wasn't even in the uh, match day no, squad, in d- suffering injury. In doubt for the grand final, but you know he's about a seventy percent chance at the moment of playing. So, but still not good. But yeah, just I thought that was the most impressive thing. You're, the best player in the league isn't there, and you still looked pretty solid against a really, really 
strong team. He did, he did. So we now we will move on to the second fixture of the weekend, which saw uh, champions Melbourne, or sorry, premiers. Should be champions. Don't want to, don't want to call them champions yet. Premiers, um, Melbourne City taking on new boys MacArthur FC in Sydney, at, again at Cogra, where after the Melbourne outbreak was moved up. And you wouldn't believe it. This One thing that irked me most about this is it got one move to Sydney and then went half price tickets yeah, <laughs> to get fans there. So you practically just give them a car for a home game. Or, and you wouldn't believe it, they took the Ruz bus again. Yeah. Or if you base it off what MacArthur usually pay, quarter price tickets. Uh, yeah, quarter price <laughs> tickets because the Campbelltown Stadium prices are astronomical. The- and that is one thing I've spoken to a few MacArthur fans about is the major forum is make tickets cheaper. Yep. But we move on to the actual game itself and Melbourne City without their star-studded lineup from Socceroos duty, yep. who are there all back in Sydney at the moment. Jamie McLaren is in hotel quarantine in Sydney, so he would have been absolutely irked that he couldn't participate in yep. this fixture. But Melbourne City got the job done 2-0. Very two quick-fire goals as well to just sink the Bulls bus and end their season early. So it's been a fantastic run for new boys MacArthur FC to make it this far. But the Wanderers still have it over you in their first season. Premier's plate and the grand final. <laughs> Suck on that, you Bulls. Yeah, um, 54th minute, Kolakowski. 55th minute, Tilio. The two young boys that... A lot of pressure has been put on them with the likes of McLaren, uh, Metcalf, um, Naboo, and Noon out. Like you look at those names in their attack, and somehow that is a that's that's probably my favourite. It is the fiercest front line in I, the in the A League, and it's not. I like, looked at this this on paper, and I saw a dollar fifty three with the odds for Melbourne City to get the win, four seventy five for Macarthur. Smacked that four seventy five twenty five on it. Went to have a nap because I was dead tired. Woke up and it was two 0 I couldn't I couldn't understand how. MacArthur with the, a full-strength team. You say Meredith is out, but he's not really in their strongest squad, and they still couldn't do anything against a team that was as weak as they are. These two young kids, man, Tilio is a star for the future. I know Sydney FC mm-hmm. were pretty peeved when he chose not to re-sign and move down to Melbourne City. You understand why he did it. Big, bigger club on the global stage. But, um, mate, Paddy Kisnorbo, I don't know what he's doing, but no matter who gets into that team, they just, they just turn out and they put on a great performance. They lost Noon, probably their best player in that side with all the players out in the warm-up and they still regroup and go on and dominate a team that I said it I, I assumed MacArthur were going to win I just thought that would, City were too weak but now we're set up for a grand final repeat it's I just don't understand it. MacArthur really fucked this one up like this was theirs for the taking like you want an easier game to get into a final it's Melbourne City as weak as they were and you couldn't couldn't finish Melbourne City away from home yep You've got your fans there. And it was good to hear the uh, MacArthur fans being allowed for once since they're not allowed to do it in their own stadium. <laughs> but they just, the Bulls could not get the job done. No. Melbourne City moved through and now they are hosting this week's grand final, which will be on Sunday. Four o'clock. Four o'clock on the 27th of June in at, at Amy Park with 50% capacity, we are hearing. Which I think is a joke. They deserve their final. Sort your shit out, Melbourne Melbourne or Victorian government. This should be 100% capacity. Melbourne deserved to host this final, deserved to play in front of a capacity crowd. And, you know, a few hundred Sydney FC fans travelling down for the game would be perfect, but... But they're not allowed to now either with New South yeah, Wales now we're in a hot from spot, the yeah. eastern suburbs. So why the hell don't we just play it in between Canberra? That's where I heard it was going to be played. I would have loved to have gone down to Canberra for this game. It would have been fucking cold. Neutral venue. Neutral venue, yeah, and 100% capacity. But, you know, APL doing what APL do... 
Vic government mafia, New South Wales just fucking screwing ourselves again. Fucking Bondi people. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a good game regardless. There's going to be fans there. You know, it's what we didn't have last season. So, you know, it's it's it is it's the rematch from last season, but with fans now. Yep. So, I looking looking forward to this weekend. One thing I want to say from the Macarthur game is Mark Milligan, hell of a great career. Ended that yep. night. You know, was we Sydney FC in the beginning? I think he played for Melbourne Victory as well. In between there, he did sort of a pointless part of his career, and then finished at Macarthur. Had a pretty good season, you got to say. Was one of the better players in the team. Narrowly missed out on our team of the year. Just too many better players, but great career. Um, friend of the show, Michael Roos, put out a good Instagram thing about thanking him for all the help he's given him this year. So, you must be a decent bloke if Roosie likes him. So, yeah. Um, look, uh, having spoken to Mark Milligan before, he is an absolutely top great, uh, top bloke, top competitor, and look, we wish him all the best in his next chapter of his life, settling down from the footballing yeah. career, and look. Comes back to MacArthur for their first season, and he led them to a to a semi final, which you, you can't ask for much more. Um, so congratulations, Mark Milligan, and congratulations to the, the MacArthur Bulls yeah. on their successful first season. But we've still got it over here. It is a good season, and I will say, those of us that are Sutherland Sharks fans are now dreaming of a Mark Milligan return to Seymour Shaw next year. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. I think you can't afford it. I think he's done with playing. I think he's going to be on the coaching staff of MacArthur next season as a mentor and. That'll be how he finishes it, but it would, but it would be nice to see him come to Seymour Shaw for one more season. We could definitely use him. We are terrible. You could, because your NPL season is shocking at the Second moment. last but behind that's, Sydney FC. Ahead of Sydney FC. Ahead of, but we'll move on. So that's the fixtures. We will talk about our grand final preview at the end of the show, yep. but we'll move on. We've got a few a bit of news coming in, so we'll talk to you about some hot topics. And a lot of transfer news coming in with the wake of the semi-final fixtures yep. ending and there's only one game left for this year's season. Uh, Jamie Brown, you've got a list of transfers in front of you, including one big transfer rumour. So, yeah, the, the the first one I saw was Dylan Wenzel Halls leaving Brisbane Raw for Western United. I thought this was a massive move. He's probably one of the big stars for, in, for the, of the future and he was really good this year. But going to a Western United team that doesn't have a coach at the moment... There's a lot of unknown there about other players that are still at the club, but it's a huge signing for them. They should be very proud. They've got, you know, a future Socceroo in my mind um, coming down to the club. Jack Clisby, well, I think was the first off the Central Coast Mariners boat. He's heading over to Perth for a second stint over there. Surely it has something to do with the fact that they just let the best coach in the league walk. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was we've got Nik- Nikola Milajuznic has signed with the Brisbane Raw. I'm not sure if he was an Adelaide, Adelaide United player this year, but he has been there in the past. But that, I think that's a massive signing from what I remember of him as a player. He was pretty good. He had yep. a lot of technique and a lot of good skill. The third, the fourth one, sorry. Um, it's just escaping my mind. I'll go, I'll go at this yeah, one take for this you one. because it involves our Western <laughs> Sydney right. Wanderers <laughs> signing uh, left back from Melbourne Victory, Adama Traore. That's why I just forgot. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not the the Adama Traore we all want to see down here the Spanish flyer. <laughs> yep. It is uh, Melbourne Victory left back Adama Traore. Um, a lot of things I've seen in the Wanderers post about this, saying um, we've got a lot of young talent coming in, in in a position that we've signed for, but it's a good squad depth. He's a good mentor to young players. He was Melbourne Victory's captain this yep. year. Um, obviously leaving in their worst season ever. Yep. But the one thing I've noted, I've t- spoken to my brother. He is a left footed left back. 
no offense to the to young uh, Tom Akalina who was playing there this season, but we, you need if you're playing wing backs and you're going to whip in some crosses, <laughs> you need a left footed left back. You can't just always cut into your right because you wouldn't believe it. Read like a book every time, yeah. and unfortunately, Daniel Wilmering, great player, great young talent, injured far too easily. Well, he's very small, but he has a big future. He's just got to Does. put a bit of size on and get a bit of experience about him. But yeah, it's a good signing. So, I, I like this signing. Don't know how it's going to feel though because he is very hot headed, and it, it could be a passion could, thing. Hopefully, could be a Melbourne victory but it could thing. Whip, it could it could have been that, but um, look, could whip the young some of the younger players into shape. Being left-sided, being left-back, he'll have um, young Mark Natter on his inside. Nice little mentoring role there. But, look, it's one signing we definitely needed. And we move on. And um, the other potential signing is Danny De Silva, a legend at Sydney FC, is potentially looking at a move to head over to MacArthur. Another one exodusing the Mariners really fast. If I was anyone in the league that didn't have a strong goalkeeper, I'd be pushing hard to get Birigidi because I think he's pretty solid. Unless, of course, Nick Montgomery gets the job, and then they should all stay put because he's a fantastic manager. But yeah, Correct. Daddy De Silva heading to that MacArthur team who's already looking incredibly strong with the signings of Ulysses De Villa. Now I, Danny De Silva. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, they're... Um... If, if, if Danny De Silva does put pen to paper and move down the coast to MacArthur FC, you have a look at that front line now. You've got Matt Derbyshire, if he stays along up front, who is a very good talisman. You've got Craig Noon on the left in behind him. Yep. You've got Danny De Silva who can play in the middle behind him, yep. and then you've got Ulysses de Villa on the right in behind him. That is, that is now a formidable front yeah, four. Danny General and Luik Puyo um, just controlling that, sort of holding that midfield. like, And not to mention their six-foot-seven central defenders just towering over everyone. They're, and then you, they're incredible. And then your six-foot-three left and right backs. And Michael Roos off the bench just bossing that forward line like he does. Incredible player for the future. But um, yeah, they're the... Pretty quick signings and some pretty big names moving. I know Perth released nine players. Most notable was probably Diagostino um, and Kilkenny, but he sort of drifted off towards the end of the season. So, and rumor is a lot of a few of those players might head over to Melbourne Victory to follow Popper. But um, I think that's all the signings. I think we're going to have a pretty big off season, to be honest. It's there's going to be a lot of movement this yep. off season, I think. And look, can't wait for next season when all the moving is done and we can do our preview of how the ladder's going to yep. look. I already, I'm already looking at the moment, unfortunately. With the amount of players they are losing, Central Coast, uh, I think they're going straight back down. I mean, yeah, it's they lost a great coach. They're losing some big-name players, potentially big-name players. They'll probably lose a few more. Ruin Tongik's got to be on the move overseas, the way he's had a season in his time with the Socceroos. But yeah, they'll drift. Uh, MacArthur, I think, will finish better. You guys are really hard to pick. No, I will, I will be a mid-table side. Yeah, I just which is which is Which is odd for the A-League, considering there's only 12 yeah. games, so mid-table can also be in the finals. Yeah, yeah, and Sydney FC, you know, don't know what to expect with them. 3P. They'll be in the top two again. Yeah, Melbourne City's going to be freaking incredible. Like, bringing Matt Leckie back is huge, even though they've lost noon. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a pretty good season next year. I'm like, looking ahead, but we'll stop talking about the future of the A-League. Back to Hot Topics. Um Pretty awesome news, in my mind, for officiating in Australia. Jared Gillett, probably the best referee we've ever had in the A-League, over in England right now, in the Championship, bossing it over there, is looking at being promoted to the Premier League to be the Premier League's first uh, foreign uh, referee. Not looking, he is promoted, he will be there. They're, yeah, but they're still reporting it as likely promotion, because nah, the Premier League has to hasn't be, released considering, it Considering, <laughs> let's put it this way, he, he left the A-League as our best referee. Miles. When... Yeah, went straight to the English Championship. So their second division, not 
not the first uh, yep. League One or League Two, which is their third and fourth divisions. So he went straight into the Championship, which is a very still very good quality football. And they absolutely loved him. Probably more pressure there so, than in the Premier League, to be honest, with yeah. what's at stake and how many games are played. There is so much more money, value for money in the Championship because if you get promoted, a lot of money, massive, yep. it changes your yep. life, a lot of money. But they absolutely loved him in the Championship. He was promoted to Premier League VAR this season as well. Made a few very big decisions in that, but they have enjoyed him so much that they will, as you said, most likely be promoting him to the Premier League to be their first foreign referee, which is huge, but massive, massive. Considering considering the A League's already had yeah. one, get with the times, Premier League. Shout out for Garni, probably actually yeah. the best ref in the A League, the, the <laughs> best referee we've got. So can't, can't move along, but that's huge. Like for Australian kids that are wanting to be referees on the weekend, we know some. Uh, like a couple of friends of ours are referees and uh, in one of them is in the A-League at the moment. It just sort of says that, hey, you know, like myself, I might not have the best footballing pedigree, but hey, I can be a referee, ruin the fun for everybody else and then end up in the Premier League anyway. So, Oh, yeah, 100%. I couldn't, I, if you were a referee, I wouldn't have to play <laughs> because one, you'd send me off in the first minute because I'd bully you because you'd be on a massive power trip. But look, <laughs> good money... Good money to be a professional referee it's in the Premier League. So good solid on for base that. of like a hundred and twenty pound thousand pounds a year. That's your base. So, you know, as reported by the Peter Cratch podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, speaking with Mike Dean who slaughters chickens. Yeah, but that's yes, enough. About that's that. another show, but you should so, check it out. Um, yeah, absolutely. After you listen to our show. Um, but yeah, that's that's massive news if you're an Australian, yep. especially as Jamie said, if you're a young referee, it's something you can look up to. So all the best to Jared Gillett on his adventures in the Premier League. Yep, and. Massive, massive. We'll be watching to see how you go, especially coming to the likes of Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Liverpool. That's, oh, we will be scrutinising. Uh, some horrible decisions against them. I would appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. But um, and help out a former show of ours, Team Brentford. Um, yeah, <laughs> look after them for us. That's, yeah. The, 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 so I think there's not really much more of hot topics that we can talk about. Nice. But before we get into the preview, yeah, of the grand final, there's one thing that irked me when it happened on the Ooh, weekend. Jared we'll spray. Talk about it. No, it's not <laughs> a spray. Not yet, not irked that much, but in the uh, in the Sunday fixture between Melbourne City and Macarthur, after Macarthur have gone down two 0 you wouldn't believe it. There was a flare lit. Ah, yes, in the Maca- in the Macarthur active support. I saw that. Yeah, have you heard anything about no. it? No, not a peep. But that that is a good thing, you know. Ray Hadley and yeah. the two GBs and the mainstream media, the the NRL lovers. I know, generally, I know that's a good thing that we're not hearing about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you. If a Western Sydney Wanderers, oh if the RBB lit a flare, if the FC did it, <laughs> what would what would be the outcome? It'd be fines, stadium bans, everywhere. Yeah, it'd be like the four main it'd clubs. Be front page news. The four clubs that are notorious for this: Sydney FC, the Wanderers, Victory, and City. Fines, Gaunt. bans, points deductions. Possible, yeah, threats of points deductions. Macarthur do it, going down. <laughs> goals not for winning or celebrating and it's nothing but i'm not surely the apl will sort this out behind the closed doors try to keep it under wraps because the mainstream media you know the daily telegraphs fox sports is they're not saying anything about it so let's be, just be happy that you know we're not being dragged through the mud by ray hadley yeah. and the the nrl General. journos so but here's the here's the thing i want to let you know in so we've got a good friend of ours who is in active support and we know the culprit that lit the flare like personally not personally, okay. <laughs> but I can tell you this now. He is not an active member of the uh, bullpen. In fact, he's not even a supporter of MacArthur FC. Oh, who does he support? 
It was a Melbourne City fan. Ooh, okay. Is what I've been told. That it wasn't a MacArthur fan that lit the flame. Everyone says that. But it goes back to what I've been saying the entire time. Every time at Sydney FC, the, the Cove light a flare or the RBB light a flare and it goes everywhere. It's not the main active support that light it. No. The ones that are there for football are not the ones lighting flares. Yep. We know the rules. Yeah. We know how to... We have, I think the last Sydney derby that we had, we used um, the safe smoke or Yeah, whatever. the stuff that and they I use thought, at Mariners games. And I thought it created a hell of an atmosphere at the, at the, at the beginning. And it goes, as I've said, a long time. It's not the general RBB or Cove or North Terrace or City fans that are doing it. It's the ones that come in for these big games yep. or no games, whatever, and just spoil the fun for everyone else. Yeah. And look, you know, you do hear stories of, you know, Wanderers fans getting behind the Cove, throwing it into the Cove and things like that. But, you know, when you... Now, it doesn't happen anymore. We do know people... Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. You're very separated in derby games. You can't get anywhere near the RBB when you're in the Cove and vice versa. But when you know someone in the in the fan base, like we've mentioned him before, a good friend of the show, Ruz, um, and we know a few more. Um, shout out, Bryce. When you know people that are in that active support and they tell you these things, it's kind of easier to believe them. But and same thing. I've, we've got a very good friend that um that is in the RBB, and I know I have friends that are in the Cove as well, and you, you back them, hundred percent. And there was a flare lit at a Wanderers game this year that we were above. Like so, where I sit at Bank West is above the RBB, and you could see as soon as one the flare was lit, it was put out straight away yeah. in a bucket at the front, and the person that lit it ran for their life. And you point and them when out. I spoke to the yeah, and when I spoke to the RBB after it. They didn't know who he was. Never seen yeah. him before in his, in their life. Because, yeah. you know, the guys that organize this type of stuff, you know, the capos, as you will, they know what the rules are. And, you know, I know from the from my, like Cove experience, I know how close they work with the club when they go on away trips. They have like a, you know, a club person that sort of keeps with them, make sure that they don't step out of line and things like that, keeps them within the rules because, you know, they know you don't want the bad they know how to push. They know how to push the boundaries, but they know when they're overstepping exactly. and that's when they bring it back. You know when not to. Like I've been... I've been away trips in Newcastle when we've done the march up the main street in Newcastle into the stadium. It's fine. It's perfect. We've done, I've done marches in Olympic Park. I've done marches in Parramatta. We know, they know where the lines are yep. and when not to cross it. Cause it's, the, it's the 1% of not even fans of, like, not active fans that ruin yeah. it for everyone. It's the blow-ins that wear red t-shirts in the Cove and blue t-shirts in the RBB that want to get on TV, want to get recognised. They don't actually care about the fact that, you know, these things can affect the image of the game nationally, especially when the mainstream media gets a hold of it, and it can completely screw the game up, and it has in the past, but, you know, we're pretty good right now. Everything's going good for the domestic league and the international game with the new rights deal. Fan violence is at an all-time low. Active support starting to come back and be encouraged by the APL, so it's all, we're all on the up and up here. If we can, a few more good years like this, and football is going to be where the AP, um, it deserves to be. Yeah, the guys at CBS Viacom have said that they it deserves to be one of the top sports in Australia. It's not at the moment, but it deserves to be. Unlike, I think you mentioned NRL and AFL because they are not international games. This is an international game. It deserves to be one of the most recognisable sports in this country. He said up there it with cricket, the, but you know, it, cricket. It is. It's the biggest like grassroots sports in the country. Yep, up there with netball. I think. Sorry, I think second biggest. I think netball may have overtaken yeah, it. It's ahead of cricket. That has to be ahead of cricket because yeah. it's again, it's not a, a, a few more countries play cricket than they do rugby league. league. Yeah. But yeah, but look, netball is great. It's yep. great for young women. It's a great Absolutely. sport. Absolutely. 
But I think netball's starting to slow down because a lot of long-term injuries are coming from netball playing at a young age. Yeah, can't be great for your ankles on that concrete. It's not good for your ankles, it's not good for your knees. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of young girls are now moving to football because it's, this, it's the uh, second biggest like women's sport in the country. I know, and like I, I, I know a Matilda. I know a, f- yep. a lot of girls playing for the MacArthur Rams NPL site. Yep. It's a great young way to start. It's a great sport to get involved yep. in. And now it's growing, which is good to see on a national and international level. Yep, I do love seeing the facts and figures come out of the rugby league every year about how the game at a grassroots level is dying. And every time you look at the grassroots level of football, it's always it's always growing. It's it, it might stagnate a couple of years, but it never declines. It's always growing. You, so look at this. Look at we'll go. I know the stats of the Macarthur region because obviously that's where I'm yeah. involved in the most. The club I like Jamie has played for. And I currently play for have 900 players active play over 900 active players, which is massive. We are the second biggest club, I think, or maybe even third biggest in the district. Because I think Camden Tigers, obviously, who are an MPL club as well, yes. have obviously more. But then Oran Park, which is a very relatively new estate, yep. um, has over a thousand players. But like you said, they've huge estate. They've <laughs> yeah, new estate. They've got, but they have just gone and gotten four new fields. The club's only like six years old, yeah. and they've moved three times. Because they need to accommodate all these young players. So as grassroots, this sport is as one of the biggest in the country. Which is only positive for the future. And the best thing is, the guys at the top level <clears throat> care about grassroots. So they're constantly trying to invest more money through grants and things like that to local communities and local clubs. So it's something that I know the NRL, you hear about it a lot, is really pushing hard now, especially in regional areas, because they've neglected it for so long. Whereas football... And even AFL, to a lesser extent, have invested so much in these regional areas and are starting to see the profits coming from it. So I look forward to it just continuing. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that it's just a better game to watch on TV, live at the ground, it's also a hell of a lot safer. I don't think you're headed mm-hmm. ball when you're young anymore until you get to the age of nine. So that's always a good improvement, but it's just a safer game. I'd be, I'm it pushing is. my kids straight into it. They have to be. So what we really need is these yobbos to stop yes. fucking it up for everyone <laughs> else. <it> <laughs> Yeah, just stay within the rules. It's been great this year. We've had very little incidents, if any, um, and active support's back, even at Mariners games, although that won't last for long, considering what's happening in the off-season, but um, in that fucking marching band. But, you know, it's we're getting back to our strongest. I don't mind the marching band as long as they're not marching. Yeah, and there's no ground defense. You can be a band. Look, I don't mind the band. Just stay in your area. And no ground mics doing crowd effects in front at, of at Mariners games at all. Like, they just lose that privilege now. They lose that right. <laughs> They'll disappear I mean, gonna, next year. Considering the amount of players they're losing, they're losing everything else at the moment as well. So <laughs> They're not. I mean, I'm, how about you sell, sorry, Mariners fans. sell your instruments and donate the money to the club? <laughs> you might still have Alan State Chichi if you did that. But, um, Maybe. Yeah, good point. I, I did see the, the flares and it did kind of annoy me that, you know. But I was then happy that I didn't hear anything about it in the news and it is, yeah. you know, it's two days on since we're... Recording, so pleasing. Very much so. But look, that's enough from us. That's enough listening to our dribble. We move on. We've got one game left of this A-League season. And it is the grand final the grand. this Sunday. Melbourne City versus Sydney FC. The Sky Blue Derby yep. is what I'm naming it. Because these two teams are versing each other a lot in these final sessions. Yes. They're always good games. It's grand final replay from last year again in the grand final this time, Melbourne City has the home advantage. Yep. 
it's going to be a big game. Yep, uh, for regular season results, it was one all in the first game and then 3-2 to City in the second, so 4-3 on aggregate. Shout out my friend Ash for hooking me up with those stats. Um, it's, it's, I mean, second year in a row, it's going to be better, but I can't help but think Sydney FC has the advantage, especially if Ninkovic plays. Only because if, if McLaren, Naboo, Noon are all playing, Melbourne City, easily by far the, the hot favourites, but I just think with those guys out... And Sydney FC being a lot more higher quality team than MacArthur, surely this is Sydney FC's game for the taking. I unfortunately have to agree with you. <laughs> I think Melbourne um, Melbourne City have been the best team all season, yep. but they've lost. I think we we're talking about it. Uh, Melbourne City scored fifty seven goals all year. Twenty five of them came from Jamie McLaren. Yep. And a few. And that was the question. That was the question I asked Jamie um, before the MacArthur game: is where the goals are going to come from. Luckily, they scored two. Yeah. Which made me happy. But yeah, I. I Unfortunately, I can see Sydney FC doing the three in a row. Um, and I, I, I keep saying that because I don't like grand finals because I'm a purist. And yeah, football end is of the season is yeah, Exactly. But we move on. We, we have to deal with this situation. So, unfortunately, I think Sydney FC will get the job done over City. Um, I'm going to say that a few times because I fucking don't like Sydney FC fans. I can or see the club it hurting or, his soul. Yeah, it does. It, it, <laughs> it's very painful to say. Um, but look, it's going to be a good match. Um, really looking forward to this, and hopefully, I'm really hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> generally, I'm generally I'm not. I mean, often I'm not wrong, but um, look, I want to be wrong this time. I want to definitely <laughs> be wrong. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind if City won, just because it would be reward for how great a season they've had. They deserve to play in a hundred percent crowd, but you just McLaren man taking out all those goals. If Noon's not fit, he didn't look great in that warm-up last week against MacArthur. Naboo's definitely out. I'm pretty sure they... Oh, I've already said that. Metcalf has been a source of so many assists. I think he's got over 10 assists this year. So add those to the goals McLaren scored. I just can't see any other result than a Sydney FC win. I want it to be in regular time because I have to go to work very soon after this game will finish in regular time. <laughs> Bit selfish, but um, I think it's going to go to extra time, possibly penalties. I just Yeah, don't. I... I... Yeah, I, I think City, uh, Sydney will win. I've said that a few times now, and probably should stop saying it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping it's a good game. I'm hoping it's a tight contest. Oh, it will be I, for I, sure. Really, uh, it has to be. But look, I'm hoping it's not a Melbourne victory, Adelaide blowout. Um, with uh, in Sydney FC's favour because they are much, <laughs> as you said, they are a much stronger side than MacArthur FC. Um, but it's I I I don't know how it's going to go. I I could see it ending in normal time. But it's only going to be a, like a one one nil. Yeah, this this doesn't have blowout written on it. No, it does. It's going to be. I, mean, I can see like oh, I can see this exactly like the W League Grand Final. I could see this going to Ooh. the hundred and twentieth minute. Let's hope it's not in the Melbourne team's favour this time. No, I'm hoping it's in the Melbourne team's favour this time. The thing I love about Sydney FC about this season is the young players they've put through. And look at Patrick Wood. Every game he's come on, if he's not scored, I mean he should have scored two goals against Adelaide oh, he on should Saturday. Have. He Missed he should one have buried wide, that game. and the assist he was giving to Harry Vandersag probably should have just had it himself. Hit it as hard as you can, have it yourself. But um, you know, players like that off the bench, uh, why CDFC has been so strong, and why losing, you know, McGowan, Ryan Grant, and yeah, oh Andrew Redmayne, Howard Bell's pretty good. But it's losing players like that, and just the depth that Corica throughout the season has played these players in enough games to get them match fit and experienced enough to step up when it matters. Vandersag's played a lot of games. Probably could be at right back instead of um, Paolo Reche, but Reche's pretty solid there. King in 
the absence of um, Zulo has been phenomenal. It's not a weakness for Sydney FC like I kind of thought it was going to be in the offseason. Haywood Bell comes in to replace Redmayne. Probably better than Redmayne, to be honest. A lot more confident I, and I a lot more had, solid. I thought he had a good game against Adelaide. I mean, he got a touch that shot from one day, so that was enough credit. Um, I just think their depth is a little bit more solid than City's. Which which is generally, like, generally Sydney FC do have good depth, but it's it's interesting to see them actually using their their youth. Yeah. Normally they just leave their youth for the MPL and they bring in their, their general players, but to see them actually using a lot of youth this year and having to use them in the finals due to, obviously, injury reasons or um, international commitments. It's been, it's been good to see for the growth of the A-League, but I'm really hoping City win. <laughs> you know what? This game should be played with these two full-strength teams. This should be Sydney FC with their three out and Melbourne City with wait. their three out. Wait, wait a week. Surely. Like, Everyone's back out of quarantine. And we're not doing the bloody Champions League bull crap anymore. We've already pulled out of that way too early, and that's going to cost us in the long run for sure. AFC are just pricks when it comes to that. But this should be the two best teams in the league this year playing each other at full strength, not with Melbourne City missing all of their good players in attack and Sydney FC missing some players that are kind of important to the team. But, you know... The depth is the key for Sydney FC, but that's the only reason I think Sydney FC is going to win. If this was full strength on full strength, it's Melbourne City for me. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're weak in, I know Tilio has been good. Kolakowski has been phenomenal off the bench this year. I just don't, in a big game like this, the experience, even the young players for Sydney FC have the experience of doing it last year. So, yeah. And I mean, last year it took a Tom Glover mistake to give Sydney FC the goal. That's how close these two teams are. And I'd love to see it happen again, but I think it's going to be real close. It, this could be penalties, man. And Sydney FC know how to win a grand final on penalties. They do, which is what I do not like. It irks me a lot that they know. That, as you said, it's the experience. Yep. They have experienced players playing in these big games. City are a young side without their experienced players. It's the biggest game of the year. and I just want City to win. <laughs> I don't think I've wanted so much from a Manchester City group team to do in their life <laughs> and to just win this game. It's. I mean, they could, man. I like. I, I thought that MacArthur was going to beat them, and they blew them off the park. It didn't even feel like it was close. So no. But I just think this is Sydney FC are a different kettle of fish. They're a lot better than MacArthur, and this is yeah. This is going to be Sydney three in a row. They're going to really stamp their dominance as the greatest club team in in Australian football history right now. Win a Champions League and talk. Uh, they have won Oceania. That. That's not. A <laughs> you know how hard Auckland City are. No, they make the Club World Cup every year because they've got no one to compete against. And Suva FC, you know how hard that team is? Suva, Suva City Suva City FC. FC you. Don't you dare diminish a Shears team like that. <laughs> they're, they're an incredibly tough team to beat. So you Good know. jersey too. But look, I'm going to ask you the question. You've said it could go to extra time, it could go to penalties. What's the score? Oh, I'm going to go 1-0 to Sydney FC. The goal will be scored in the 113th minute. Goal scorer? Patrick Wood. Yeah, I think he's... Because I, I'll tell you what, I don't think LaFondra or Bobo will make No, that's what I'm thinking. Minutes. Yeah, I don't think they'll yeah. be on the field. It'll be Wood and Ivanovic probably up front and Wood will... He'll get it. He'll get it done. Those defenders are old and tired. <laughs> that's where it'll come. What about you? To make it interesting, I'm going to say Melbourne City. <laughs> I, I think Sydney will win, but I'm going to say Melbourne City. In penalties. Oh, nice. 5-3 in penalties, because after 120 minutes, neither side will have scored. 
And I mean, if Sydney FC do take Bobo and Lafondra off like we think they will, that's two pretty good penalty takers, although Lafondra has proven otherwise, 50 50. And Bobo put one 30 yards over. Yes, he Wanderers, did. So, so, maybe so not, they've maybe, taken off their two, their two worst penalty maybe takers. Maybe it's not a bad thing that they can't go to no. the end. <laughs> They'll have the likes of Wood and Ivanovic, who are pretty good from the spot. Watching them, I've seen them in NPL, so I know that. All right, so penalty shootout win for City for you. Sydney FC 1 0 in the 113th minute for me. I Patrick mean, Wood. I'm hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping City just do it in regular time so I don't have to go through penalty shootout nerves so again. I'm not sitting on a train going to work watching a game <laughs> and jumping up and down no, on said train. No, no driving and watching football. No, I, I, even extra time and penalties, it'll be well over before I start work. So I just want it to Very be good. done before I have to leave for work. Very good. But look. That's enough for us this week. We've yeah. got one more show of the Circle and Rectangle show this A-League season. Yep. Still got to work out what we're going to do while the A-League is not on. Yep. But Jamie Brown, before we go, I know you didn't talk about it last week, but friend of the show, Carly Adno, has a charity thing going on at the moment. Uh, it's already finished. <laughs> well, it's gone, so disregard all But this. you can still donate to the Mark Hughes Foundation. It was the 150-kilometre walk. They walked from, I believe it was Sydney, up to the Newcastle... Um, night's home ground for the walk it was the big three I think it was called mm-hmm. um, and yeah she was a part of that um, the link will be in our description this week I promised her I will do it in the description this week but um, obviously friend of the show she's she's going to be coming back on eventually soon um, yeah but the Mark Hughes Foundation it's about brain cancer probably one of the toughest cancers to beat very aggressive if you don't catch it extremely early it's very hard to survive so yeah, donate to the Mark Hughes Foundation. Buy one of the beanies at your IGA um, or Lowe's. You can get them from Lowe's. Help donate. Huge, great cause. Every year the NRL do, does it. Jump on board. And yeah, credit to Carly for walking some of the way. She didn't walk all the way. She told me that. But um, yeah, credit to Look, her for she doing walked, it. She walked further than we did. Uh, so absolutely. Well done. <laughs> well done, Carly. I know it's absolutely a great cause, the Mark Hughes Foundation. So Get around it, get a few donations, whatever you can. Buy yep. a beanie. The beanies are great. They're nice and warm too, coming into winter. But um, oh, look, yeah. it's a it's a great great foundation to donate to, and it's a great cause to get behind. So well done, Carly, for uh, your efforts in the uh, in the fundraiser. Yep. But look, we'll move on. We'll end the show on that note because it's a great note to end on. Exactly. Uh, Jamie Brown, I will see you next week, hopefully with a smile on my face. If not, you will see me hanging from a rope in my room. <laughs> yep. See you next week. Come on, Sydney. Three in a row, baby. Yoo! I'd rather not come on to Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of The Circle in Rectangle Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to hit us up on our socials, they are The Circle in Rectangle Show on both Facebook and Instagram. Drop us an email, show at gmail.com, or hit us up on our Twitter at show. See you all next week.